Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to episode 224 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporic, and today we are going to preview all five game or all four game fives of the second round series that are going to start tonight on Tuesday. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our uh, Twitter bio, you can also find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe. Download, leave some five-star reviews, and we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. I'm, I'm puzzled, though, because I'm looking at the NBA playoff standings, and the one team that has a 3-1 lead is not the team that I thought it would be. No, it certainly isn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just happy because, like, going into the playoffs... We figured the first round, especially in the East, was going to be uh, pretty easy for the top four seeds to advance. And then in the West, aside from their, you know the Portland OKC and Denver Spurs series, those were kind of up in the air. But we figured you, you, Golden State and Houston was going to advance and set up like just an amazing second round. And so far, I mean, it's lived up to it. We've got three 2-2 series going into Game 5. And then we have, you know, the 1-3-1 series, Bucks-Celtics, has enormous implications for this summer. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I'm nervous. So we're just going to go in order in terms of how these games are going to be played. So we're recording this on Tuesday, May 7th, which means tonight is Sixers-Raptors Game 5 and Blazers-Nuggets Game 5. So more, let's start with Sixers-Raptors, since that's the first game on the slate. Um, you know, the Sixers game three blew out the Raptors game four. Nick nurse came back with some pretty smart adjustments. Um, you know, going into game four, the day before they announced Pascal Siakam was doubtful with a left calf injury that he may or may not have sustained while tripping Joel Embiid (laughs) in the fourth quarter of game three. Uh, Siakam did in fact play, but he was pretty ineffective. Uh, it's I, whether it was the calf injury or just Embiid's defense on him, whatever. He just didn't do all that much in that game. So instead, after not playing Gasol and Ibaka together at all through games one through three, they played 23 minutes together in game four. And Nick Nurse afterwards said, you know, Philly's size was really giving the Raptors trouble. They were getting beat up on the glass. He wanted to try going bigger. And, you know, based on the results, it seemed to work. Uh, we also saw a lot more of Kawhi Leonard on Jimmy Butler. You know, that seemed like the obvious adjustment to make after game three, just because the Sixers had really been picking apart the Raptors with the Jimmy Butler pick and rolls. So, 
especially in the second half when it was getting close late in the game. We saw a lot more of Kawhi on Jimmy, and Kawhi did a very good job shutting Jimmy down. Uh, meanwhile, Joel Embiid woke up the beginning of game or the the morning of game four. He apparently texted Brett Brown, said he hadn't slept all night, felt awful, had to get an IV. He did play through it, but just wasn't all that effective. Not nearly having 11 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. He had a couple of big blocks in Ibaka, but was like a shell of himself from game three. And then Ben Simmons uh, did not do very much at all. For the fourth straight game in the series, which is expected offensively, but I thought defensively he was a little less locked in than he was in games two and three. So more, let's start with. Do you want to start with Kawhi first? Like, should we just turn this into ten minutes of a Kawhi appreciation thread? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Could could we could we run twenty five? I mean, we could run three hours. Like what he's doing. If it wasn't against my team, I would be much more <laughs> captivated by this. It's it's infuriating because it is going coming against the Sixers, but like every time he shoots the ball, I think it's going in. It it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's averaging thirty eight points, nine rebounds and four assists in, in just under forty minutes. And you know what? This is this is why you had all those load management games. Yeah. Over the course of the season. Because you know, he's rested, he's healthy and he's at the very top of his game. He's now able to play extended minutes. You know, I, I don't necessarily think that that would have been the case had he played all 82. Oh, yeah. Simply because of that thigh and the uncertainty of it. Like, he is clearly a lot more effective by simply yeah, having fresh legs. I mean, yeah. you can just sense in the way that he moves. Like, he's got that extra gear. And then when you look at Jimmy Butler or Ben Simmons, like, some of those guys, like... They're gassed a little bit quicker than Kawhi is. Mm-hmm. Kawhi seems to be running on whatever robots run on. <laughs> right, yeah. They they refuel his motor oil before every game, and then he just feels great, and he can play 40 minutes. I mean, his true shooting percentage in this series is 72.8%. His effective <laughs> field goal percentage is 69.1%. That's, that's unheard of. Like, there should be more appreciation for, like, how historically dominant he has been so if you're the Sixers on one hand your hope is okay well if Kawhi has one like excellent but not historically dominant game you know we only lost game four by five points we feel good if we can hold him to 30 instead of 38 (laughs) yeah but I mean that again it's a you know it's 2-2 now it's effectively a three-game series you can expect regression to the mean over the course of an 82-game season, but there's no reason to expect that Kawhi is going to get considerably worse in Game 5 or Game 6 or, you know, God forbid, a Game 7. Right. So you can't really go with Fred Van Vliet and, and make him an offensive option because he's been horrid this season, to or, or this series, sorry. Um, you know, who do you really have? You have Danny Green. He's shot under 35%. Marcus Saul has yet to crack 40% in this series. Kyle Lowry, while having a bounce back game, was it in game? Yeah, was that the game? That was game four, right? Yeah, he was better in game yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. I have, you know, so many series right now. Yeah. But he's still shooting 38% from the whole series and 20% from downtown. Pascal Siakam, who's now injured, has not hit, you know, his usual high percentage either. It's, they are going to have to live with Kawhi and a hope that someone else steps up. 
I mean, that that's that's what they have. Like, what's the alternative right here? I mean, Serge Ibaka as well, 37.5%. Like, no one outside of Kawhi is breaking 50% from the field. Siakam is the second highest, and that's at 46. Like, that, this is, like, the weirdest contrast I've ever seen in a playoff series. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Sixers, I think the obvious solution, and I think they did this more in games two and three than they did in game four, is just double him and trap him and hard hedge and do whatever it takes to make him feel uncomfortable and, like, force him into being a playmaker more than a scorer, which he can do, but he tends to... I mean, I think he had he had five assists and seven turnovers in Game 4. Like, if you can force him to have a negative assist-to-turnover ratio, that's a win. Um, it, again, I, I think you're right. You live with a Kyle Lowry or Marcus Gasol or an Ibaka beating you over him. And all three of those guys, to their credit, you know, they, they had been missing in action for a lot of this series, especially in Game 3. All three bounced back in Game 4. I almost wonder if Siakam's injury was somewhat of a blessing in disguise for them because they knew... You know, Kawhi's going to drop 35-plus. We right. we were expecting Siakam to be that clear second option, so we only need one of us to go off. But now with Siakam down, like Lowry, Gasol, they all went into that game knowing, okay, they need more from us because Kawhi can't do everything. Right. Right. Um, no, I agree. Was there a question in there, Brad? No, no more just a... Sad observation. I'm, I'm still going through, like, the five stages of grief about that series. Because, like, so I know, look, it's a three-game series, game-to-game momentum. You know, we thought Warriors-Rockets was over in game two, after game two, which we'll talk about later. Like, right. you can rest these things back. And, like, after game three, it looked like the Sixers were just going to smash, especially with Siakam doubtful mm-hmm. in game four. You know, it looked like they are going to go up 3-1. They were going to cruise to the conference finals, whatever. I just can't help but feel that... Game four is such a missed opportunity for the Sixers that, like, I know they objectively still have a chance in this series, but it feels like that was their chance, and now the Raptors are going to win game five, and whether they knock them out in six or seven, it's hard to see the Sixers winning this series. Of course you'll say that, because you're (laughs) the biggest Sixers skeptic there is. Uh, Just to turn it back to Kawhi, just before we move on to the the second series... Mm -hmm. Like, you mentioned Kawhi and then the word uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Does does he ever look uncomfortable on the court? I get that the double team, like, and, in, in, you know, that he then coughed the ball up a little bit. But he seems confident at virtually everything he does out there. Yeah. Like, his yeah. confidence level right now, like, it seems unshakable. Yeah. I, I mean, the only thing they've done to make him uncomfortable is... Simmons, I think, in games two and three was much better defensively on him than he was in game four. And then, again, it's the, like, throw doubles at him. Throw Simmons and Butler. Throw Simmons and Embiid. Throw Simmons and Harris. You just need to get the ball out of his hands by whatever means necessary. But I get that for the Sixers, that's also a scary prospect because if you're doubling, that means someone is open. And it's like you get a pit in your stomach when you're like, oh, crap. Danny Green has a wide open above the break three. You, like yeah. it, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't look good for you, but you're just banking on. Okay, this is a percentage play. Kawhi's shooting a hundred thousand percent from the field. All of these other guys have occasionally missed. Let's put it into the hands of someone else and force them to beat us. 
even though, you know, again, in an 82-game season, you would not want to leave these guys open on the perimeter. But it just might have to be your option, given how well Kawhi has played. Yeah, just basically play the percentages based off of this series and hope for the best. Right. Um, I will say, so I wrote a thing on Ben Simmons today, and I want to talk about him briefly, but that's at thebasketballwriters.com. And more. Are you tired of clickbait, ads, pop-up videos, talking head hyperbole, big market bias, and data selling? Are you tired of soap operas, wild speculation, and unnamed sources? Are you tired of padding the stats of CEOs and shareholders while your favorite content creators, like Mort and I, get paid pennies for their work? At bballwriters.com, they are too. That's why they created the Basketball Writers. At bballwriters.com, they concentrate on just the game and everything they love about it. The NBA, WNBA, EuroLeague, Fantasy Basketball, The Draft, and many more corners of the Hoops universe they're soon to explore. All in one place on a blazingly fast, clean site that lets you choose which writer to directly support while still enjoying all the content from their whole team. Elevate the conversation, elevate the game. They'll see you at bballwriters.com, and don't forget to enter the code THENBAPOD for 10% off your annual, monthly, or daily subscription. That is the NBA pod for 10% off. So I put a I put an article up there today uh, about Ben Simmons and about... It, so, it, like, Embiid, at least in game four, you know, did not play well, was nowhere near 100%. So I think you can at least somewhat excuse that. Simmons, on, like, the third possession of the game, falls completely asleep. Kyle Lowry blows by him for a layup. And the second I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. Here we, this is going to be a bad Ben Simmons game at the worst possible time. I think there were a couple other possessions like throughout the game where the communication on defense was just so bad. Like he, there is one where he goes for a steal behind Kawhi, trips over his own feet, so he's like stumbling behind Kawhi as Kawhi runs down the court. He recovers, and like him, Tobias, and Embiid are all there all of whom could very easily close out, but none of them communicate, and Kawhi drains a wide-open three. And then later, a similar situation where uh, Simmons tries to fight through a screen, like, kind of, again, falls over his feet, should have been like, hey, James Ennis, go cover him, because I'm, I can't. I am literally tripping out of bounds, but instead kind of just, like, got mad and then belatedly pointed at Kawhi as he's rising up for a three and Ennis is like, yo, bro, like, what, what are you doing? It, it was just like, offensively, we know in this series, he's not going to do much because Kawhi is on him. I think defensively, especially with Embiid limited in game four, that was what was the most infuriating to me. But also like offensively, they are going to need more from him moving forward if the Raptors are going to put Kawhi on Jimmy. Like there were, there was at least one possession. And I couldn't find it last night. I was, I was going through to write this article, but there was one possession where Fred Van Vliet was on Ben Simmons, and Fred Van Vliet is giving up nearly a foot to Ben Simmons. That should be like he should go into kill mode when that happens, and he didn't. He was just so passive throughout that game that, like, I, I think that's more than anything the key to Game Five is which Ben Simmons shows up tonight. Yeah. Yep, I would agree. Um, so we are usually talking about like 82 games players versus like 16 game players. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not ready to say that, that Ben Simmons isn't a 16 game player. Yeah, I think he can be. Yeah. I think he can get there. 
the thing is, his offensive weaknesses are just so apparent. And when he then <laughs> compounds that with these mental lapses of games that he does mm-hmm. have once in a while, mm-hmm. it just becomes ugly. Now, fair, he's 22. <laughs> right. He's allowed to, you know, to have games where he's just off. And, yeah. and like, that's a learning process. You know, we do have this tendency of looking at Ben as somewhat of, like, a finished product. I think in part because he missed his rookie season, I, I'm guessing. But, yeah, he's still young. There's still time. Having said that, you know, there are some concerns moving forward, especially mm-hmm. if he's not willing to, like, raise up to the big stage. Like, Joel Embiid is just different. He's wired differently. Like, he wants it. He actively wants it. He can go on one leg and he will still <laughs> go, you know, I want this. I want that. Give me the ball 35 times in the first quarter. I yeah. want this. Yeah. He's just wired that way. Ben is more laid back yeah. in that sense. He he doesn't really strive for you know the the marquee, and that's that's perfectly fine. However, he will still need to hype himself out during games where his presence is needed to the extent that it was in Game Four, yeah. and that's a learning process and that's a learning curve. Now, I can't speak about him in terms of like as, as much as the, the Sixers staff can. Like, where do they stand with him? Like, do they think he's got what it takes to be a valuable contributor constantly over the next 10 years in playoff settings? I don't know. Like, ask them. But from where I'm sitting, I'm 10% nervous. Yeah. I mean, I think his defensive versatility sets him apart. And as long as he's locked in on that end of the court, which he has been for most of the playoffs, that gives him a nice, solid floor, even if he isn't doing much offensively. But, right, and, and I think also part of this falls on the coaching staff, like especially in minutes where Embiid's off the floor and these Mike Scott at the five lineups. I love them, but they got to go. It's it's just not happening, especially against Gasol and Ibaka. They need to be more creative in the ways in which they deploy Ben Simmons. Like, I mean, we've been saying it for years, and then you know he has this game against Brooklyn, game three, where Embiid sits out. They use him more as a screener and a rim roller and like all mm-hmm. of a sudden he looks incredible and it's like and then they Embiid comes back and they go away from that again and it's like th- these should be staple sets in your playbook you should be running at least like 10 of these a game where Simmons is being used off the ball especially if Jimmy's being used at the point guard run pick and rolls with Jimmy and and Simmons and then run Simmons mm-hmm. to the rim like w- yep. there are ways to use him that they I think they aren't there they just fall into the trap of hiding him in the dunker spot and you know uh there were a couple plays in game four where he left buckets on the floor like there was one in transition where they're running a four on one and his pass back to Simmons Simmons maybe he was afraid that Kyle Lowry could shift over and draw an offensive foul but and so he passes it to Tobias and then Tobias goes up for a layup and Serge blocks it you can't come up empty-handed on a four-on-one. Part of me thinks he's afraid of drawing free throws. Like, I noted this in my article today, but he averaged 5.4 free throw attempts during the regular season per game. He's taken three free throws in this series. Three. And he's missed all three. And, like, I know he's a crappy free throw shooter. He shot 60% from the line this year. But there's a value of just drawing fouls, getting a, getting into the bonus more quickly in a, any quarter. Right. And getting guys in foul trouble. Like, Toronto is very limited in terms of their size. It's Gasol, Ibaka, and now a somewhat hobbled Siakam. If you can Mm. get any of those guys in foul trouble, that is a huge swing, especially when the variance of a one-game, you know, now we're, again, in a three-game series, effectively. 
if you can get one guy in foul trouble, that can swing one game, and that's all you need at yeah. this time of year. So Even if you leave points on the floor. Actually. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I would love it if you can get him in foul trouble and hit both of your th- free throws, but even if you can't, at least you're causing them to shift their playing style. If Gasol right. picks up two early fouls or Siakam picks up two early fouls, that's sending him to the bench, that's forcing them into rotations that they would otherwise prefer like it forces them out of their usual rotation structure which yeah makes them uncomfortable but but we've talked about that like a million times in terms of of you know ben not being a, when he's a rim roller yeah you know he will just automatically get fouled more because he's actively going for lobs and for dunks and for drives like obviously the more he plays around the basket the more he'll get hacked yeah like it's just common sense yeah yeah so what's your prediction for Game Five? It's in Toronto. I think they're favored by six. Who are you taking? <laughs> I'm not gonna say the Raptors. I'm just gonna say Kawhi. <laughs> <laughs> that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That's I call me a pessimist, but I I just I feel like they let go of the rope, and I I would be very pleasantly surprised if the Sixers win tonight. But I, I think the Raptors. Uh, I just uh, Kawhi is unstoppable, and he's got right. a fifty pointer in him, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, like looking ahead, I'm very excited. If the Raptors and Bucks do advance, Kawhi versus Giannis in a playoff series is going to be bananas. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember actually asking my Danish audience that before the season started. I made a poll on Facebook. I remember, like, who of these two would you go with? And I think it was somewhat 50-50 when everything was said and done. Yeah, and it still, frankly, might be. Yeah, yeah. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, let's move into Denver-Portland now. Uh, (laughs) Game three, I admittedly did not make it to all four overtimes. I was watching it. We had friends in town this weekend, so we had gotten home. I turned on the game at the end of the fourth quarter. Uh... I make it through the first two, and then my wife came down an hour later to find me on the couch asleep. <laughs> so I, I caught the the rest of it the next morning. But Nikola Jokic plays 65 minutes in a quadruple overtime game that the Nuggets lose. And you're thinking, oh my god, they have to play in less than 48 hours. This guy just played effectively two full games. There's no right. way. This is over. The Nuggets are going to lose game four. And the Blazers are going to close them out in six. The Nuggets bounce back resoundingly. <laughs> Jamal Murray has a monster game, 34 points, 10 of 20 shooting, hits all 11 free throws, including some clutch ones late. Jokic has just been a monster in this series. 
So the Nuggets end up taking it, and now the series is knotted at 2-2 going back to Denver in Game 5. What do you think about Jokic in this series, Mort? You know, as first and foremost, let me just say that this is the best series in the playoffs so far, and I'm actually going to go one step further. This has been the best series I've seen at the very least for a couple of seasons. Wow. I love it. I absolutely love it. Both teams are extremely unselfish. The execution level is so high. It's intense. Yeah. There isn't a whole lot of talk about the refs, which oh thank God. <laughs> right. And, and 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 they you know, the level of individual talent is there as well. Like it's just got everything. This is this should be an instant classic series. Mm-hmm. Now to answer your question specifically about Jokic, I'm I'm remembering before this season some some site I don't know if it was five thirty eight or whatever like did this salary projection like what to, what team what certain players should be paid uh, compared to what they were actually paid mm. and some of the you know I think they used Carmelo Anthony for the year before as an example of oh a player being drastically overpaid mm-hmm. and then they came to Jokic and Jokic Jokic was. Uh, I think it was something to the tune of he should have earned like 60 or 70 million dollars per, per year yeah. at the very least simply because he's he's so versatile and offers so much and looking at him now I'm like that seems low <laughs> <laughs> that seems low yeah. he's doing everything like he the amount of touches he gets and I think ESPN touched on that um, like he was just getting so many more touches than virtually everyone, like over 200 a game. Mm-hmm. Everything flows through him, but even so, he doesn't dominate the ball to unnecessary extents. Like, he'll give it up and let Jamal Murray run a high pick and roll. He'll give it up and let Gary Harris create for himself, like, or Will Barton or Malik Beasley. But, I mean, he's just so adaptable. You can use him in whatever setting and he'll figure out a way to be effective. I'm, yeah. I'm just. I'm constantly blown away by him, but this series in particular, like I'm just, I just, I'm in awe all the time. I mean, I can. Here we have this this chubby Serbian center <laughs> right. who somehow played, you know, two games in one. Yeah, came out alive. I know. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> I know. The and biggest upset of the playoffs. Right, <laughs> and then came back, you know, two days later and gave them a win by again just playing fundamentally sound basketball where you know he's made the right passes read the defense right hit open shots like he's he's phenomenal man yeah phenomenal yeah imagine if he wasn't chubby and white and European. oh oh imagine yeah. how good he would be then yep imagine if he had been a u.s college player yeah was ripped yeah yep yep i'm sure the aau circuit he would have learned all of these skills well <laughs> <laughs> uh i know it I mean, I agree with you that this series has been like I. I think they put it. They said it on either inside the NBA or one of the. Yeah, I think it was on inside the NBA. Where like, or maybe it was just during the Celtics Bucks game. But they were like, "This is the best series that none of you were watching." Or like, none of you aside from like hardcore NBA fans. And it's true. Like, it's been an incredibly entertaining series, and part of me thinks it's like the consolation bracket, like whoever makes it out of Warriors Rockets is going to be so heavily favored against whichever team makes it out here that you just assume like, cool, one of these teams is going to make it to the Western Conference Finals and then get smacked. But there's still value in that. And both of these teams, especially the Nuggets, 
they're so young. Like, getting this type of playoff experience, surviving a seven-game series in round one against Greg Popovich and the Spurs is a mm-hmm. huge developmental milestone for these guys, for Jokic, Murray, Gary Harris, all of these guys. Being in a hotly contested conference semifinals like this, where, again, you're going back to game five, tied 2-2, now you've kind of been there. Now you know what the pressure is like after facing round one. Like, it, it, these are all just building blocks for these guys, even for Dame and CJ. Yeah. I mean, and for, like, Rodney Hood. I mean, none of these guys are, like, so washed that it's meaningless long-term moving forward. I think... I, you, I know you wrote a good article for Forbes about the Portland side of things, though, how it might be difficult to repeat this kind of run. Like, this might be their best chance to do this type of a thing just because of how they're set up salary-wise. Right. Thank you for that segue. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, yes, Yeah. So, so basically, they're, they're pretty screwed cab-wise. <laughs> right. Uh, because of the Evan Turner and Myers Leonard contracts that we have talked about ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Um so basically, they're they're actually limited to like the tax uh, MLE mm-hmm. this summer if they really want to you know resign one of these guys. But thing is, and Iskander and Rodney Hood, both of them have played so well these playoffs that they're bound to get bigger offers. Like yeah. maybe that tax MLE is allocated or reserved rather for Seth Curry, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, Portland, you know, they have one bullet, le- you know, left in the chamber, as I wrote. And that's the kids. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not high on on the kids in Portland, and I and I get that they were not picked high. There are some obvious flaws with with uh, with all of them virtually, but I still think that that could become something because should uh, Portland lose Cantor and Hood and maybe even Seth Curry, like they would have to immediately immediately give minutes to Anthony Simons, yeah. Gary Trent, more minutes to Zach Collins as well. And, you know, Scala Bissier and whoever they pick at number 25. And make no mistake, they should absolutely spend their pick because, yeah, they, they need this. Um, so they could have potentially five young players on the roster next season that would all have to play minutes. That could be a godsend if just one or two of them really break out. And, spoiler, Zach Collins mm-hmm. is probably going to be my pick for MIP next year. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it's not that I'm not high on Portland's young guys. It's just that... I remember you went into the year, like, we did the league pass rankings. You had them really high because you were excited to see the young guys. And I was like, these guys aren't going to play this year. Yeah, you were were right. Yeah, Yeah. and and I think you're right. Like, that is what they may have to bank on moving forward. It'll almost be like the Toronto model pre-Kawhi, where you had that, you know, the bench mob of Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, uh, Siakam, Pirtle. Like, right. all of those guys were young. They drafted them late. And then, you know, Siakam pops. And now you've got, you know, you have the one guy who you need. You have, like, a bunch of lottery tickets and you, you hit on the one. And I think right. you're right. That's probably what Portland is heading toward just because of the the salary issues that you mentioned. I mean, it is worth noting they will have Yusuf Nurkic back next year, which will change things well, for them as well. We don't know when next year, though. Right, and we don't know what shape he's going to be in and uh, all of that. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Zach Collins is a very good MIP pick early on. Um, So, again, we've got a game five tonight. Um, What's your prediction? 
You know what? I'm not going to give you a prediction. I just hope this goes 7. I just hope we see the same kind of caliber of games, and it goes 7, and then I don't care about who comes out of it. That's reasonable. It's fine. That's reasonable. So I feel like your best bet in that case is probably... Like, if Denver goes up, I think Portland can tie it at home. But if if Portland wins this one... I mean, Denver it's probably series over. Yeah. yeah, like Denver could win in Portland. They did in Game Four when they were facing long odds as well. Uh, but it just feels like the best bet for this to go seven at least is each team holds serve at home, and then we get probably right. an instant classic Game Seven. You know what would be extra dope if it was all road wins here on out. Oh man! Oh <laughs> my god! I I like seeing the the home crowds explode though. That's fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did see someone. I, I didn't fact check this, so take this with a grain of salt. But I saw someone on Twitter say, "Like, oh no, this is actually true." Holy God! If all three of the series that are at two two go to Game Seven, all three will be on Sunday, and you also have Game of Thrones. Oh, that's just that's like tough. Yeah, that's just literally do not like. Carve out a spot on your couch for 10 hours. Yeah. Order in some pizza. You're not going to move. Turn off your pedometer that day. You're getting like 300 steps, and that's just going back and forth <laughs> to the bathroom. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, that's it's, 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 it's kind of weird that they have it set up like that because there's no game scheduled Saturday. But it, it could yeah, be. Yeah, I have a – you know what? When Someday when we're done talking about the playoffs here – I'll I'll have a big rant about that. As a European, oh. I I need early games on mm. Saturday. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you gotta mm-hmm. assume one of the Sunday games would be early. I can't imagine all three would be. Yeah, but that's not enough, Brian. Yeah, that's that's hey. If I just I want to avoid one of these series running into Game of Thrones. I was mad that yep. Portland Nuggets Game Four ran into it. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check us out at pathwayscu.com pathways is federally insured by the ncua um okay let's move now (laughs) to boston milwaukee the one series that we thought was the most competitive after game one when boston i mean really trounced milwaukee on their home floor looked like the bucks might be rattled looks like the celtics might be finding their mojo after a season of a lot of locker room turmoil. The well, they did. Just for one game. For one game, right. So then the Bucks come back, win game two, even it up. And then they go to Boston. And game three was close for at least the first half. They, the Bucks kind of opened up, opened it up in the third quarter and ran away with it. And then game four, 
The the Celtics were up early. Marcus Smart comes back. You get the big emotional lift from that. Uh, Middleton and Giannis get into foul trouble early in the third quarter, and it's like, oh, man, the Celtics have a real shot here. And then George Hill and Pat Connaughton outplay Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, and the Bucks, you know, pour it on in the fourth quarter. Giannis starts snarling and dunking and doing all the Giannis things. And now Milwaukee's suddenly up 3-1, and Boston's on the ropes. Yeah, I regret, I regret what I said last time when I said that if Pat Connaughton is closing out games for you, <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. You know what? I I've Look, I mean, I'm happy to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There was a good... I forget who wrote it. I think it was on ESPN... And I apologize for not remembering the author, but there was a good article about like I guess Giannis and Pat were like Giannis is you know a, a noted workout fanatic. They would have to like lock the doors of the facility right. to keep him out of there. But I guess Connaughton's the other guy who's just like always in the gym with him, and they they have forged an unlikely friendship because of it. So maybe that's part of it. He's like Connaughton has you know kind of wormed his way into favor with the franchise player and like Giannis <laughs> is telling Bud like hey no actually I work out with this guy all the time he's really good trust him uh well I mean just, just to clarify I never thought that Pat Connison was like a bad player right I just didn't think he would be you know a 25 or in this case almost 29 minute player <laughs> in the second round of the playoffs yeah. that's just not the way I figured his career would go but kudos like for crying out loud that's awesome yeah. I mean yeah well, I mean, also, Brogdon has still yet to return. We don't know his right. status for Game 5, but that that has been part of it. But also, like, I mean, George Hill was mm-hmm. phenomenal last night. Truly, like, I, it, it's not an exaggeration to say he outplayed Kyrie Irving. Like, I, Celtics fans were readily saying that last night. So I don't want to dig the grave on the Celtics yet. Like, by Felicia exists right. for a reason. Yeah. I do think we need to talk about Kyrie, though, because he has been awful in this series. Mm-hmm. You know, he after game three, he's like, don't worry, you're not going to see another eight of 22 night from me. And then it goes seven of 22 at game four, which makes him technically right. Right. Yeah. In his credit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but to me, it just seems like and there were a lot of shots, even early in the game last night, where when it was close, where it, the Celtics just seem to be devolving into hero ball. Like, they're not swinging it back and forth, and they're not trying to go and attack weak side defense. It's like Kyrie will dribble at baseline and then turn around and take, like, a off-balance 12-footer. Right. Which just... It, it, I don't... I, I'm just... I'm so surprised that, especially after Game 1, it really genuinely seemed like the Celtics... We're at least going to put all the regular season BS behind them and we're like focused on the task at hand. And then in the three games since, Kyrie has just been so bad. Yeah, I don't have a response to it. I mean, he was, he was, fan, yeah, he was just fantastic in game one, hitting, you know, all kinds of weird shots. Yeah. But maybe, maybe that's part of it because like a lot of those shots early on in game one, you know, especially the three really difficult ones that dropped and were all net. You know, what if those had been missed? Like, mm. the, it's it's not necessarily good shots if you catch my drift. Right. Like, he really is one of those guys, like, when he hits shots, 
obviously he's on a roll and like you can you can look at what he provides you but the shot selection is always kind of iffy yeah he's not up on you know steph curry territory yet because when you look at steph curry in isolation like those are horrible shots Mm -hmm. but because it's steph curry specifically like oh it's fine right yeah irving is just not the same caliber of shot maker i feel like Mm -hmm. and he he really has a high level of difficulty on most of his attempts I don't necessarily think he's having that bad of a series as we've talked about because he's still getting, you know, he's actually getting a lot of assists. He's really trying to initiate his teammates. Mm -hmm. I just think he's not hitting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're right. Like, if he hits these difficult shots, we have a much different conversation about him now. And he has proved capable of doing so in the past. He is... You know, he, he is one of the best ball handlers in the league. Like, he is very crafty off the dribble. He can do this. But when you have this much talent on your team, is that the most efficient way to go about it? Yeah. Probably not. Like, I, it makes me wonder. I mean, I'm not saying this series is over in five. I think there's a at least a, a world in which the Celtics could win this. And, I mean, they could theoretically still win the series. It's not over. I don't think it's mm-hmm. entirely likely. So, like looking ahead to Game Five, I'm wondering if they should play more through Horford. And I mean, yeah, right. And just like trust, because he's the he is the one who of anyone on that team, I don't trust Jason Tatum right now with his shot selection. Mm-hmm. Marcus Morris, I, I he's probably trust more than Tatum at this point, at least knowing his limitations, but. I think not that Horford should take, he shouldn't lead the team in field goal attempts, but at least use him more as like a hub on your offense and get Kyrie off the ball more and see if that can open some things up. But I also think, I mean, the Bucks are playing, like the first half of last night's game was just ugly and like both teams were just missing bad shots. But the second half, the Bucks were just so locked in defensively. I think for all of the slander that the Celtics are getting today, I think the Bucks do deserve some real credit for, you know, especially after the game one loss. Like, that could have been, that could have, like, shaken them to their core. But instead, Bud was like, no, just just trust what we've been doing all season. We've been playing great defense. We can run mm-hmm. through Giannis offensively. We're going to keep shooting threes. And they've, they've stuck to it. They, they've been switching more, which they didn't do during the regular season. And that's really thrown the Celtics off. But... It, like it, this is a testament to the Bucks and how good they've been that the Celtics, who have all of this talent, who entered the season as the clear favorites in the East, are now one game away from vacation. Yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. This Bucks team, you know, we always talk about their system that was brought in by by my coach Bud. Mm-hmm. Like the more threes, Giannis hitting insane field goal percentages around the rim, him getting a lot of free throws. Well, defense. Yeah. The defense, man. Everything seems to be clicking. Brooke Lopez, you know, we've been talking about his three-point field goal percentage this year or his three-point makes. Mm-hmm. Like, he was averaging two blocks and was, like, one of the most stable interior defensive presences, like, in the entire league. Yeah. But that's not what we talked about. Giannis can effectively guard one through five. Right. Mills can, can switch around, like, just this, you know... Kind of just pick and choose his own spots defensively. Eric Bledsoe is a bulldog. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, even Malcolm Brockton, who hasn't played, you know, for a while now, 
defensive active all the time. Long arms can really change a lot of looks. Like, there's just so much firepower defensively, and, and we saw it being applied in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, also, I think for the Celtics to win Game 5, they're going to need a big Gordon Hayward game. He's been very quiet in this series. I think Middleton's been doing a really good job on him in particular. But right. they need someone. Like, their bench scored... Tatum. Their bench just scored seven points in Game 4. They need yeah. they need more. Like, the, the starting five is loaded, but... Maybe it's smart. I mean, you know, he shot one of seven from three. It is all of his field goal attempts were three-pointers in game four, which is the quintessential Marcus Smart game. And I love, did you see Giannis afterward where yeah. a, a reporter asks him, did Marcus Smart make an impact on this game? And he looks, at, he like doesn't say anything. He just looks at the stat sheet and then kind of just chuckles. It's like... <laughs> And I, I don't think I, I don't think that was mean spirited by Eddie Stretch, by the way. I think yeah. that was just him actually kinda trying to remember right. like, the course of the game and go, I don't remember Marcus Smart being that effective. Let me just look at the game log. Right, right. It was it was like him and Kawhi have the best the two best low key trolls of the playoffs so far, I think. When Kawhi yeah. the other day was like Oh no, they're definitely making me break a sweat. <laughs> like Yeah. Okay, Kawhi, <laughs> shove it. <laughs> uh but all right so prediction for game five do you think this one's over well i want redemption for myself okay you know yep. because i said bucks in four or five yep and then i flip-flopped because i'm a coward <laughs> yep I, i'm always a bigger coward than ben simmons yep. so obviously um yeah no i i so i hope to redeem myself and the bucks go you know four and one that's reasonable i it's oh I had Bucks and six before the series, but yeah, I mean it's it's looking increasingly likely that it's Bucks and fives. I I just unless Kyrie shows up, but I, I just think that Milwaukee crowd is going to be bonkers, and I think yeah. Giannis like Giannis tastes blood now. He he wants to end this thing. He knows Sixers Raptors could go six or seven, or will go at least six, could go seven. He wants a nice rest before the conference finals. Maybe that's the prediction here, Bri. What? What does Giannis go for? Ooh. Well, let's see. He had, what, 39 and 16 in game four? Yeah. And he's figuring out Horford now. Yeah. Uh, let's say... Hmm. Well, the question I'm is... I'm going to go big. I'm going to go real big. But the question is, do the Celtics keep it close enough for him to put up big numbers? Or do they yeah, just I, get I routed? think they do. It's the Celtics after all. I yeah. think they do. Yeah. Okay, what's yours? A double nickel. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to go like 42 and 16 or something like that. Oh, uh, no. I, I think he's so pissed off at the first couple of games where they got the best of him. Mm-hmm. And he just couldn't really break through. And now I think he's <laughs> like he wants to prove something. I could see it. I could, I could see it. Yeah. Like a double nickel and then, of course, like 15 or 16 rebounds to boot and like seven or six like it's yeah i could see it god i hope so i want i am uh, man oh it's been really fun to see him and now he's taking threes and hitting them like the, the whole league is screwed just give yep. the give the bucks the next five titles yep i am so glad that i hitched my my own wagon to his in terms of believing in, in him for the next like seven to ten years i mean who hasn't <laughs> 
Well, I, yeah, you know what? There are a lot of people who brought up the same, like, Ben Simmons problem with him oh, coming no, into no, this no, year no, as well. No, like, no. there's a cap on Giannis because, much like Ben Simmons, he can't shoot. Like, you saw it. You're on Twitter. But Giannis takes the shots. He doesn't hit them at a high percentage, but he... Comparing those two, they're shooting well. Like, Ben Simmons is effectively Markel Fultz in terms of his inability to shoot. Well, yeah. But you don't have to convince me of that. Yeah, but you yeah. you were on Twitter last I summer. Know, Come I on, know, you saw it. it was, and it was dumb at the time. It, like, yes. Yeah, no. Giannis, I'm not saying he's a high... Like, I think he is shooting a higher percentage from three than... Like, this is kind of an outlier for him. But I also don't think we're far away from a world where he hits, like, 35% from three. And at that point, it's game over. There's no stopping yeah. him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is, does he become an 80% free throw shooter? Mm. <laughs> I I hope not. I would like to watch competitive <laughs> basketball for the next five years, and that would ruin it. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's wrap up with Warriors Rockets, which is much like we thought Celtics Bucks was the most competitive series after one or two games. We thought Warriors Rockets was the only one that was not competitive. The Warriors, you know, they won two close games in games one and two, but it just looked like whatever, they were going to continue riding Kevin Durant in clutch or in crunch time, and the Rockets just had no answer. The Rockets came back with a nice big counterpunch. Win an overtime game in Game 3. Take Game 4 as well. James Harden's eye is not looking great, but his step back 3 definitely is. Uh, Chris Paul is also starting to really get under the skin of some of the Warriors players. I believe Chris Haynes had an article today about that where you know it, the, the series got a little chippy last night. Um, Kevin Durant especially <laughs> had some words for Chris Paul and then at the end of the game the, he had that weird like kind of leg kick thing on Andre Iguodala who is now he he apparently left the arena last night with a big limp but they say he's going to be fine for game 5 on Wednesday uh, more, first of all like we had the Kawhi Leonard appreciation segment so I feel like we owe the same to Kevin Durant Mm-hmm. How, oh, yeah. Like, he has been so outrageously good. It's like watching him and Kawhi, it's like watching clones of each other. Like, no matter how good of defense you play on him, he's just it lights out. And he got that wide open three. You know, they're down three at the end of game four. It's a, It was far. It was probably a 28-footer. But he got that, and I was like, oh, my God, this thing's going to overtime. 
KD right now is proving that point that I talked about just moments ago about you with in regards to Giannis. Uh, I think we talked about the last time. Like everyone was on team staff, you know, is yeah, Durant yeah. really that player still? Yeah. yeah. Newsflash, he's still that guy. I mean, look, he's getting to the line what way over way over 10 times a game. Let me see. 11 as well. Like he's got 47 free throws in four games. Yeah. <laughs> he's taking 25 shots a game. He's he's averaging 36. He's hitting 48 from downtown, 85% from the line. You know, he's he's actually having a modest 46% shooting from right, the field. Right, like, Casual. He's shooting... <laughs> very casual. Worse from... It doesn't feel... Worse from the field than he is from three-point range. And it doesn't feel like it, I no. should add. Like, he, he's just so long, man, and he understands where to take his shots. He's he's in that 30s age now where everything is about intelligence level. Mm-hmm. I'm understanding, oh, okay, if I go here... Just one more centimeter here, one more centimeter there. I can get my shot off this and this and that way. Like, he's thinking the game. And when he's asked, can you score basically at will? He's like, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I I need him to do more still. Yeah, well, especially because Steph and Clay have been... Right. I mean, Steph's shooting 26% from three. Clay's at 30.8%. You would hope... There would be some regression to the mean, but maybe they're, I think both have like hand or finger injuries, and maybe those are affecting their shot in ways that they won't admit publicly, at least. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like if if those two are off in game five, it feels like you're just going to need a 50 spot from KD, maybe. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. Especially, I mean, I don't, we, again, I don't know how hurt Iguodala is. I would. I think unless his leg has to get amputated, he's going to play game five. Right. And even if that happens, he'll play. <laughs> right. Just hop around with one leg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still, like, he, if he's hobbled in any way, that's even more of a green light for Harden, which means mm-hmm. Durant is going to have to counter that because Harden, like, Harden's been great. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just I mean it's been so fun like this has just been such high level basketball and I know they're you know the Warriors and well, both of these teams honestly will complain to the refs about any foul ever but it feels like at least the the national conversation about this series has not been the officiating since game one thankfully right. um but yeah, I mean, well, well, maybe maybe not on telecasts. Yeah, NBA Twitter is still well, very much at it. Of course, of course. But you know, both of these teams, like they're just running such short benches. I mean, Looney was the only guy to play more than fifteen minutes in Game Four off the bench for the Warriors, and the the Rockets are just at a seven man rotation now. It's Rivers mm-hmm. and Shumpert, like a little bit of Nene and a little bit of Gerald Green, but that's it. It's it's just like. These are our guys. We're going to go down swinging. Eric Gordon has been phenomenal in this series. I know he's only yep. 2 of 12 last night from 3, but it, it he man, he's been so good. He's been so good for them. He he's giving yep. them cuz like CP3 has not been as offensively potent as you would necessarily hope from a sidekick, but like Eric Gordon's just filling that role for him. 
Right. Paul's been, you know, he, he's been selective. Is that the kind of word to use? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was really good when it seemed like they were hunting mismatches with him on Steph last night. So, like, they would actively try to search out screen and roll opportunities in which they could get Steph onto CP3, and then he would just drive to the rim for a floater. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been, like, gunning for his shots. Like, I mean, a lot of a lot of Houston's offense is just James Harden dribbling for 20 seconds and then going for a step-back three, which I, yeah. I think if you're the Warriors, you live with. Like, I know he can hit that shot, but it's not necessarily good or high-percentage offense. It's just, like... Sometimes he's going to hit those shots, and what can you do? Nothing. Yeah. I, I forget who made this joke. Could have been Rob Perez. But just imagine Harden and KD on the same team. <laughs> hmm. hmm. Let me think back. Hmm. Yeah. That could have been so interesting, huh? I know. I know. Yeah. But, I, I mean, not to relitigate that, but I don't know if James Harden turns into this type of a player if he's well, if they traded Russ's yeah, ass, they right, probably would have right. That that's the problem. But like, I mean, we're seeing it in Boston, like the the too many mouths to feed problem. Like, Harden became this good because he was the number one option and for so many years, and then, I mean, I think a lot of it is what Donovan Mitchell is going through in the playoffs now, where you're the number one option. Teams harp on your weaknesses. You spend the whole summer trying to figure out counters to those weaknesses. And then you turn into, you know, I know Zach Lowe has been harping on this this year with uh, Harden's floater in particular, where he's just hitting such a high percentage of them, and he didn't have that in his bag as much before this year. And, like, if you're playing next to KD, yes, he makes things easier for you, (laughs) substantially so. But I don't know if he ever develops the efficiency of his step back three or the efficiency of his floater in the same way that he does when he's the number one option on his own team but no but they may have won rings without him developing those things and then you have to gauge well what's more important right right that that is probably true i'll give you that (laughs) by the way can we just talk about clint capella for a second yeah like for for you know if you had told me a week ago that Houston and Golden State would be 2-2 with Clint Capella scoring just 9.3 points a game, I would have told you to F off <laughs> right. because that just does not sound credible by any stretch. But here we are. I mean, I, I, I thought he would play such a much, you know, such a big role, especially with Bogut being slow-footed and with Golden State generally lacking size. Mm. But it, that hasn't been him. That's been P.J. Tucker. Yeah. And again, just, I know we mentioned Lowe all the time, but he does have good numbers. Like, P.J. Tucker has nine offensive rebounds over the past, like, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, what? That's, how? How does that make sense? He's been phenomenal. I mean, I think be- yeah. because Cousins is out, they don't, mm-hmm. like, the Warriors have been starting the Hamptons 5 so the Rockets don't need to counter with as much size as they would have with Cousins in. So Capella has just not been as effective against that smaller lineup with Draymond Green at center. And P.J. Tucker at center like matches up well size-wise uh, with Dre. Although he's, I mean, he's been doing, like, he's mostly been on KD and 
prior to game four, Ben Simmons and PJ Tucker have the most thankless task in the league right now because these guys are going to get 35 plus points a night and you just have to make it hard on them. And I think, you know, Tucker has been doing a pretty good job on KD. Like he's going to get his, but as you said, he's, you know, he's shooting only 46% from the field this series. That's pretty good. That's about the best you could do on him. Mm-hmm. I, it, I I think it's Tucker's been doing a very very good job in this series, and you're seeing why they, you know, like why he's such an important part of this team. Even though, you know, he he'll never stand out on a box score, or he'll rarely stand out on a box score. He's not going to put up thirty plus points like James Harden, but right. that that like gritty. Just play good defense, box out, get offensive rebounds. It's that is just as valuable. And that is a role player. That yeah. is what teams are looking for in the summer. I this is just I'm going off a tangent here, but I, it makes sense. Don't worry. Like when teams go out and overpay guys, like let's go back to Portland and Evan Turner. Mm-hmm. That's what they're hoping for. Yeah. That they're hoping for a guy to turn into. Not P.J. Tucker specifically, but a guy who has similar value and effectiveness on the court. Like, one who can add significant layers to an already established team. Mm-hmm. Like, P.J. Tucker is, like, the perfect role player on the perfect team at the perfect time. Yeah. And it just works. He's the best six five center in the league. <laughs> <laughs> he really is, though. It's, yeah. it's a fair way of putting it. It's I'm very very impressive Houston because they didn't they did not start the year out well yeah and that's an understatement but they they've come roaring back and and they seem to be just chalking along nicely and that's without Trevor Reza which I don't know how they pulled this off man mm-hmm. yeah I I mean I think a lot of it, Austin Rivers yeah. has been surprisingly big for them yeah um, the Shumpert like Daryl Morey. I think Masai, as we talked about at the end of the regular season, I think he's going to win executive of the year. I think Daryl Morey deserves a lot of credit for the way he added pieces to this team, knowing that he couldn't go into the luxury tax. Right. Because that was very difficult for them to get under it in the first place. Like That that alone was really impressive. But then also getting Fareed, Rivers, Shumpert, Really, really good work from Daryl Morey. And we're seeing it pay off. Yeah. It's almost like he got more creative the more limited he was in his flexibility. Yeah. Which I feel like yeah. we saw with David Griffin in Cleveland, too. Yeah. That is very much true. By the way, I need I need to put this, this Cleveland joke in because I forgot about it earlier. Uh-oh. So we've seen Rodney Hood and George Hill play you know, <laughs> their asses off lately. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't even have to make the joke because you're already laughing. You know what I mean, right? Yeah, it's it's just so strange that they couldn't do this last year. It's really weird. I don't know what changed. No, yeah. no. I I wonder. I wonder if that's what some of the stars are talking about when they say LeBron playing with LeBron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. I yeah. wonder. I wonder. Yep. Uh, all right. So game five, Warriors Rockets. Who you got? I have no idea. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, literally, like, you know, I can lean one way in most of these series. Yeah. Like, I'm leaning Toronto. I'm, I'm probably, if you know, guns in my head, I'm probably leaning 
at Denver, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely leaning Milwaukee, but yeah. this one, I have no, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, none. One team could be up by 30 by by halftime, and it wouldn't shock me. I know. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, because the Rockets were up. They were up double digits. The Warriors then cut it to four. Uh, I think it was late in the third quarter, and then the Rockets pushed it back up to nine, but it was like, right. they, the Warriors, I know Steph and Clay are, have been off, but like they still have the ability to erase a double-digit lead like, you know, snap their fingers and it's gone. Um, I do think it would be very befitting if the Rockets go up 3-2 and then shiv their fans by losing the next two. It feels very Rockets. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I have no read. The only series I feel like I have a slight read on at this point is, as you said, Buck Celtics. Just, Milwaukee, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, that's what makes this fun, Right. Like, right oh, now, yeah. I feel like you could not... You could give me title odds, and I would have no idea who to pick. Yeah, like, I think that's fair. Like, it's the Warriors are probably still the favorites, just because if they make it through this series, they'll have an easier time in the Western Conference Finals than whoever does in the East will have in the Eastern Conference Finals, but... like I'm still going to challenge you on that one later on, but okay. yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But it just feels like... The title picture has not been this wide open for five years. Maybe even longer. Mm. Yeah. I, like if, if, if Golden State loses this series, do you have a favorite amongst like the Rockets and the remaining teams in the East? Probably the Bucks, right? I was I was going there, yeah. Or Toronto. Toronto would match up well, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, like because then you have hmm. Kawhi on James Harden the on whole time. On Harden, yeah. yeah, yeah, like glued to the hip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's all going to come down to matchups, but I I do think a lot of the East teams match up well with either Houston or the Warriors. So I don't know. I, I'm loving these playoffs. I, I just <laughs> yeah. I, I I want every series to go seven games except for Sixers. Raptors because my heart cannot take it. I right. I almost died in game four. I'm not excited about tonight. I'm gonna say something. I didn't want to say it previously, but I have to. Okay. Part of why the playoffs are so fun. Uh oh. No LeBron James. Yeah, I knew you were going there. But you but I'm right though, because here's the thing. In in the back of our heads, and because he's so insanely good. Mm-hmm. We always knew that the Heat or the Cavaliers, respectively, yeah. would find themselves in the finals. Like yeah. it was inevitable. He was he was always that good. Yeah. Like even when teams were up on them, you never felt safe. You always had that mindset of, oh, LeBron's gonna go to the finals. Like we knew for eight years straight, which is a hell of an achievement. Like let's I'm not taking any way from that. Right. But just the fact that he's not there, he's not playing with a team that he's dragging to the finals by his teeth, makes it more interesting. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that's fair. And, like, it makes me think, I mean, when's the last time we've had, like, Kawhi, KD, and Giannis, and even Harden, but less Harden because he was kind of shaky in the first round. But, like, Mm -hmm. those three guys in particular have all been having just monster, 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 monster playoff runs. And I feel like they're getting more attention because of what you said. Like, it's not just Warriors, LeBron on a collision course 
It's like right. the the title picture is wide open in the East. We have no idea still who is coming out of that conference. And the Warriors are on somewhat shaky ground right now too. Yep. It's been fun. It has been, and I love it. Yeah. And I want it to continue for, well, not forever, but at least for another month, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be back uh, probably later this week to talk, hopefully, about maybe get some Game 7 previews. Let's, fingers crossed. Uh, but, oh, yeah. but in the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Mort, pray for Joel Embiid to have lungs and a functioning knee and every other <laughs> body part working tonight, for my sake. I I, I will. Thank I you. absolutely will. And... um. Just, just one final note, Brian. Are you going to see John Wick three? Yeah, oh yeah. With, oh yeah. With Boban in? Are you kidding? It would be their opening R- night. Yep, me too. I can't wait. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have some Boban Boban Hollywood <laughs> thoughts <laughs> because he's gonna get more play in John Wick three than he is the rest of the playoffs. We'll have some <laughs> some, some Boban analysis there. Well, on that note, yeah. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, catch you later. Later, man. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA.